Welcome or welcome back to the Sonia Looney Show. I'm your host, Sonia, and this show is about the latest in mindset, nutrition, sports, and how to be the best version of yourself. Today's special guest is Dr. Michael Greger. It's hard to believe this is already episode 17. Thank you so much to everybody who's been listening to the show and sending me all of your comments. I love hearing from you and I love knowing that this show is making a difference. So let's talk about this episode. Dr. Michael Greger is a medical doctor inspired by his grandmother to go into medicine. She was diagnosed with end-stage heart disease and already had many bypass surgeries. She was confined to a wheelchair and they said her life was basically over at age 65. It's so common, heart disease is the number one killer of human beings and we all know somebody that has had heart disease or has high blood pressure and it's attributed to diet and lifestyle. So, lifestyle medicine pioneer Dr. Pritikin treated Francis Greger, Dr. Greger's grandmother, with diet. Within weeks of being treated with a plant-based diet, she was out of the wheelchair and able to walk many miles per day. Not only that, she was able to live another 31 years until age 96. So diagnosed with end-stage heart disease at age 65, went in to see a doctor who specialized in lifestyle medicine and lived another 31 years. It's pretty incredible. Dr. Greger has made it his life's work to study nutrition science articles and created nutritionfacts.org as a public service. The whole reason he went into medicine is because he saw this amazing recovery of his grandmother and he wanted to change the world and provide information so that people can make their own decisions and that they can prevent and reverse diseases with diet. Nutritionfacts.org is a nonprofit site about the latest research in nutrition. Dr. Greger presents informative, evidence-based research videos stemming from the latest peer-reviewed journals. The website is run through donation only with no sponsorships whatsoever, and Dr. Greger does not receive any financial compensation. The purpose of that is to maintain integrity. So many studies and foundations are tainted by the dollar's persuasion. If you'd like to read any of the studies, there is a Studies Cited button next to all of the videos, and Dr. Greger produces a video on a daily basis. So if you go to the website, there are thousands of videos that you can check out from vitamin C to what does kale do to maybe you want to learn about type 2 diabetes, heart disease, or maybe you even want to learn about athletic performance. For me, there's been some really informative videos there about the performance of nitrate-rich vegetables, such as beets and arugula, and studies cited showing how it can increase your 5K time by up to a minute. So I encourage you guys to check out the site nutritionfacts.org because there's everything you could possibly want to learn on there. And I personally like to check out the studies cited because it's often hard to know what to believe. There's so much information out there and everybody seems to contradict one another. So the best way to do it is to read the study yourself, do your own research and look to see who the study was funded by. Because a lot of times, for the example with eggs, there are studies saying, oh, eggs are amazing for you. But then you can see that the study was funded by the egg corporation. I also recommend you check out Dr. Greger's book, How Not to Die. I believe it came out last year, and I have both the book and the audiobook. He reads his own audiobook, and he's definitely a character, so I recommend checking out his audiobook. In his book, How Not to Die, Dr. Greger covers the top 15 killers of humans, heart disease, cancer, type 2 diabetes, Parkinson's disease, and a lot more. 
and he talks about why this happens. And in the second half of the book, he has an extensive amount of information of all these amazing different foods, plants, spices, all these things you can add into your diet to help you be healthier and help prevent and reverse diseases. And even if you don't want to eat a plant-based diet, simply adding in some of these things makes your life so much better and makes you a lot healthier. For me, adding in more ground flax and adding in things like turmeric for anti-inflammatory have been really helpful and a number of other things. So I definitely recommend checking out his book, How Not to Die. And if you are interested in transitioning or even just adding in more plant foods, he also has an app called The Daily Dozen for the iPhone. And in this app, it has a recommended number of servings of fruits, vegetables, legumes, grains, and spices to help make you healthier in your life based on the mountain of research and the bibliography, which is 150 pages of different medical journals he has combed through. So check out his book, How Not to Die. Check out the app. But enough from me. Let's hear from Dr. Greger, Dr. Michael Greger in the house. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Greger. Happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you on my show because I'm a huge fan. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, and uh, Brenda Davis is a friend of mine, and she was on the show, one of my first episodes, and she was telling me about your trip to Saudi Arabia. Ah, yeah, we both went. Yeah, yeah. I saw some Jeez, photos. Uh, oh, yeah, did you see the camel photos? I did. <laughs> yeah, they, those are monstrous beasts. I had no idea. Yeah, I've uh, raced my mountain bike in the Sahara Desert and seen camels there. Oh. But yeah, the camel's a lot bigger in person than you'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, adorable. They are. Yeah, so I'd love to chat with you about what evidence-based nutrition is because a lot of times there's a lot of information out there on nutrition that's very confusing and a lot of times there's a conflict of interest involved. So people don't really know what to believe. And your entire website, nutritionfacts.org, and everything you do is based on evidence-based nutrition. So can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, what a concept, right? That we should actually base life and death decisions on science, on evidence, right? I mean, look, if you want to, you know, buy a new toaster online, then sure, you can just believe what some random stranger has to say. But when we're talking about the health and well-being of your family, of your loved ones, then you want no more than just kind of hearsay. You want more than just, oh, someone at the gym told me X. You want to know what, you know, I mean, we, that's what science is for, to answer these kind of questions. But unfortunately, we just get barraged with confusing, conflicting messages from the media. And that's because uh, people love hearing good news about their bad habits. Uh, sells a lot of magazines to put butter on the cover, but unfortunately it sells to public short. Uh, it's a classic tobacco industry tactic, sowing confusion, muddying the water. It helps people just kind of throw up their hands and eat whatever's put in front of them, which is what the trillion-dollar processed food industry wants. Uh, but the reality is there's actually remarkable consistency in the nutrition science literature going back decades now. You know, that we should boost our intake of healthy plant foods like fruits and vegetables, limit our intake of animal foods and processed foods. Uh, the public needs and deserves to know about the overwhelming global consensus regarding the core elements of healthy eating. And one shouldn't take my word for it. If you go to the True Health Initiative, 
that is basically an organization that was formed for this very purpose of bringing together hundreds of the top nutrition scientists in the world to sign on to what is the healthiest diet. So if you go to truehealthinitiative.org, you can find out what the science says. It's like going, you know, if you want to know if climate change is real or not, you ask climate scientists. Well, if you want to know if, what to eat, you, uh, you uh, talk to nutrition scientists. And uh, so they all got together and laid it out. That's great. Yeah. And on your website, nutritionfacts.org, and I encourage everybody to check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. You have amazing videos on pretty much every single subject that a person could think of regarding health and even exercise. And you put your papers in the bottom of these descriptions, right? I don't just put the papers in the bottom. I actually show that's the whole video. Right. The video is literally just not me. The video is the papers themselves, the PDFs and then the graphs, the actual quotes. And of course, I have links to them so you can download them and read them yourself. But the science is right there. I don't just cite the science, refer to the science. I show you the science and one should demand nothing less when it comes to decisions of life and death. Yeah, and I encourage people to actually check out the studies because a lot of times people will argue against plant-based nutrition, but they haven't actually looked at the papers. And a lot of times people don't have access to the extensive medical journals that you do. So it's awesome that people have the freedom to just go and read the studies for themselves. Absolutely. How else do you know who to listen to? So I encourage people to, you know, if you have some pet topic that you're particularly interested in, maybe there's a disease in your family or something, or you have a favorite food or something they really looked into and have a good sense of uh, that you have a good understanding of the best available balance of evidence, then you take that understanding and you compare that to, you know, the panel of experts that you find everywhere, quote unquote experts, and you see if what your understanding reflects what they, you know, what they've come to, and then you can use it as kind of a litmus test to see, well, these people don't know what they're talking about. Obviously, they, they miss this, this, and this. And then, so then you can have some kind of credence in this particular person that, well, if they got this one so right on, then presumably they have the same level of rigor looking into other topics. So this may be somebody I want to listen to. And then you don't have to necessarily dive deep into the primary literature on every single topic. You just uh, do one or two that you know really well and then uh, see what uh, you know people have to say about it and see if you can trust them or not. Yeah, and I love all the topics about big broccoli and how a lot of times studies are have a conflict of interest involved, like a, a study saying eat more bacon is funded by the baking company. So how can people look at these studies themselves and determine if it's a relevant and true study or if there's a bunch of different conflicts going on? Oh, well, these days, most journals require reporting of conflicts of interest. Now, people can get around that in a variety of ways, but generally, and there's a funding line, just see who funded the study. Now, just because the dairy industry funded a study about dairy doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad study, but you certainly want to keep that in the back of your mind when you're reading that study to see if uh, perhaps the study design was set up in a way to biased results in one way over the other. You see that a lot in you know drug company funded studies. So you just have to keep an extra kind of level of scrutiny as you read through these studies to make sure that uh, the science isn't being muddied by 
commercial interests. Yeah, and I think that also a lot of times magazines will take things and blow them way out of proportion. Like I saw something this year by Bicycling Magazine saying how good bacon is for you. And there's, ah. there's, then there's tons of information online, World Health Organization saying bacon's a class one carcinogen. So how can somebody take this information that they're reading and maybe their, their media, the magazines that they like to read and, and decipher if it's true or not? Besides go to your website. <laughs> Well, so what you do is, well, you immediately cancel your subscription. You tell them why <laughs> you're canceling the subscription. You're saying, look, this is when you say the World Health Organization classifies as a class one carcinogen, this is the IARC. This is the official kind of governing body that determines what is and is not carcinogenic based on the best available science. They have you know, hundreds of scientists working on these issues. They have the least kind of uh, corporate other bias. I mean, that's who everyone looks to as kind of the – it's like the congressional budgeting office, right? I mean it's like you know, that their whole point of existence is to give an unbiased, objective viewpoint of what the best available balance is. And they have placed processed meats such as bacon in the highest category of certainty that it causes cancer in human beings. And so yet – this is what we're sending kids to school with, like the little lunchables process. We were talking about, you know, bacon, ham, hot dogs, bologna, lunch meats, uh, you know, uh, turkey, deli slices, that kind of stuff. These are foods that we know cause cancer, just like other class one carcinogens, tobacco smoke, asbestos, plutonium. We are as sure, certain that uh, processed meat causes cancer than these other class one carcinogens cause cancer. Yet it continues to be sold, promoted. And so that is tremendously irresponsible for a publication to come out and promote. I mean, it's like Runner's World coming out and saying, you know what you really need to do to enhance your athletic performance? Smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. I mean, that's, you should definitely go out, smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, and it's just going to be great for your health. And, you know, that kind of information is not just kind of misleading or no, it could hurt people. I mean, that's what kills me. I mean, it's not just like someone saying, well, you know, my toothpaste is better than the other toothpaste and I'm going to lie to, you know. Uh, but no, who cares what toothpaste you use? I mean, this is talking about, I mean, do these people not have family members who have died from these diseases? And how dare they put out that kind of direct just to sell magazines? Yeah, and I think the problem is people still just don't believe it, which is such a shame. And it's amazing what type of service, because your website, your book, it's all nonprofit. And you're doing this because of your grandma and your life's work. Yeah, I mean, that's why, I mean, if it wasn't for my own personal story, who knows what I'd be doing? No, but uh, yeah, my, when I was just a little kid, my grandma was diagnosed with terminal heart disease, sent home to die. And then, but thanks to uh, lifestyle medicine, thanks to a healthy diet. I was able to conquer that disease and uh, live a few decades longer to enjoy six grandkids, including me. That's why I went to medicine. That's why I practice the type of medicine I do today, lifestyle medicine, using diet and exercise and other healthy lifestyle behaviors, not only to prevent disease, but arrest and reverse chronic lifestyle diseases as well. You know, uh, everyone's uh, grandma can enjoy the uh, long, healthy life that she did. Yeah, and I'm going to put up your keynote about your book, How Not to Die, but I'd love to kind of dive into that. I love your book. It's one of the best resources on my shelf about what foods to eat and what foods to add into your diet to help prevent diseases. So can you help our audience kind of know a little bit more about your book? Sure. So, um, yeah, well, on nutritionfacts.org, you know, I've got, you know, wow, thousands of videos now, which is great, but 
you know, I can cover so many topics, but a little overwhelming. Um, I do record these kind of annual year in review videos going through science in kind of 12-month chunks, but I really wanted to compile all the most compelling evidence in one place. So uh, to that end, I have chapters on the role diet may play in preventing, arresting, reversing each of our 15 leading causes of death. So just a chapter on each um, going through, you know, heart disease and breast cancer, et cetera, all the way down, you know, backed by about uh, 3,000 scientific citations. But look, I didn't want to just write a reference book. I also wanted to be kind of a practical guide on translating this mountain of data into day-to-day, you know, grocery store type decisions. So that's what became the second half of the book where I center my recommendations around a daily dozen checklist of all the things I try to fit into my daily routine. And so, you know, we should eat berries every day, the healthiest fruits, you know, cruciferous vegetables, uh, the, the healthiest type of vegetable, you know, a tablespoon of ground flax seeds every day, a quarter teaspoon of turmeric, how much beverages to drink, how much exercise to do. I mean, just kind of all on through the list in hopes that people will, it'll inspire people to add more healthy foods into their diet and uh, kind of crowd out some of the less healthy options. Yeah, and I love the app, The Daily Dozen. I show it to lots of people oh, because it, cause it shows you how many different servings you need and what you can eat for each of those servings. Oh, yeah, great. And so it's a completely free app on Android and iPhone. And yeah, and it's all volunteer driven. And so things take a little while. But the, yeah, there's going to be uh, some updates soon on the iPhone one I'm really excited about. Yeah, because lots of times people ask me, like, well, what am I supposed to eat in a day? Like, how do I know if I'm eating a well-balanced whole food plant-based diet? And I think that your app is the best, one of the best places to start for that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just not a balanced diet. I mean, that's really an extraordinarily healthy diet. I mean, you don't need to eat that way to be healthy. I didn't want to just be healthy. I wanted to maximize. I mean, what to eat to maximize health and longevity. So that's what they, so, you know, it's not something that people need to obsess about. But, uh, you know, just try to think, oh, you know, how, sit down at every meal that you have some control over and be like, okay, how can I make this meal even healthier? Right. Can I add some beans on top? Can I add some greens on top? Can I sprinkle some dried fruit or pumpkin seeds or something? I mean, you know, it's just like, how can I make each and every opportunity to eat, you know, to just maximize the um, kind of, uh, you know, disease preventing components and uh, health promoting components um, in every bite and still be, you know, delicious and convenient, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and uh, most of my listeners are athletes, so I'd love to talk about a few different benefits that some of these foods that you recommend benefit people as an endurance athlete. Yeah, bacon is not one of them. (laughs) No, it is definitely not one of them. But yeah, so like a lot of times people have high blood pressure and they don't even realize it and they're, they're athletes. And in fact, I'm at a mountain bike race in Columbia right now and I was sitting down for breakfast and one of my friends changed his diet a few years ago. And as a professional athlete, he said, yeah, my blood pressure was a bit higher, but because I've added flax into my diet, my blood pressure is much lower. And I thought that it was just genetic and that I just was going to have high blood pressure forever. And when he changed his diet as a pro athlete eating this way, his blood pressure dropped. Fantastic. Well, you know what else runs in diets? Not eating flax seeds. I mean, you know, your parents never ate flax seeds. You don't eat flax seeds, but it has nothing to do with genes. Yeah, we have randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trials have shown consumption of a few spoonfuls of ground flax seeds a day can bring down blood pressure two to three times better than our leading blood pressure medications and only have good side effects, reducing the risk of breast and prostate cancer, controlling cholesterol, triglycerides and blood sugars, reducing inflammation, curing constipation. That's why a tablespoon of ground flax seeds is one of my daily dozen picks. 
Yeah, and in your book, so the top killer is heart disease, is that correct? In the United States, it is. In the yeah. United States. And what are the best things people can do? Like, people think that, oh, well, heart disease is genetic as well. And it doesn't have to be that way for most cases. So what are some things that you recommend for people who have it in their family and think, well, maybe I want to take control of my diet and see if I can make some changes? Heart disease is not a genetic disease. Uh, it's because bad diets run in the family or no one runs in the family. That's the problem. Um, uh, the, uh, and the reason we know they're not genetic diseases is because, I mean, this goes back a century now where, uh, you know, researchers looked around the world and found that the disease rates of chronic diseases, like many of the common cancers, heart disease, diabetes, vary by literally orders of magnitudes, like some places a hundred times more prostate cancer, breast cancer than other places. And then we do migration studies where we actually follow people, you know, people moving from Japan to Honolulu to San Francisco, and you see the disease rates. Isn't their genetics, the disease rates match where they're living. And so if you want to live with and die from the same kind of disease that Americans die from, you eat like an American. You live like an American and you get American diseases. But it wasn't proven until we have interventional studies where um, along came Dr. Dean Arnish in 1990 with his lifestyle heart trial saying, well, look, let's take people with advanced heart disease. Put them on the kind of diet followed by populations that do not get epidemic heart disease, a plant-based diet, and maybe we can slow the disease down, perhaps even stop it. But instead, something miraculous happened. As soon as people stopped eating artery-clogging diets, their bodies were able to start dissolving some of that plaque away, opening up arteries without drugs, without surgery, suggesting their bodies wanted to be healthy all along. We're just never given the chance. So that proves it's not genetics, right? I mean, you have the same chromosomes, but you change your diet and all of a sudden disease can reverse. High blood pressure can reverse. Type 2 diabetes can reverse, go away. Same thing with obesity. But, uh, you know, it's not something that you take in a pill or procedure. Um, you actually have to work on it. But if there's anything in life we should put a little effort into, it is life and death decisions like the health and well-being of our friends and family. Yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, I didn't know any of this stuff until about four years ago. And just the, the difference it's made in my life and for people around me and how, how much better they've said that they felt. And even if they have right. any sort of disease processes, how important that's been. So, yeah, I think that everybody should look at your book because it's not just like reading a science paper. It has tons of practical information on all these different foods and the second half has why you should eat more beans. So like let's talk about beans because for me that was something that I needed to add more of into my diet. So yeah. Don't we all absolutely yeah. intake of legumes, right? Beans, flippies, chickpeas, and lentils appears to be the most important dietary predictor of survival and over people around the world. So if you look at all the blue zones, right, the areas with the most centenarians, most people live over 100 the longest, healthiest populations. If you look at the Venn diagram, what they eat, what do they all eat? Well, they all eat in general plant-based diets, but they specifically, they all eat beans every day or some type of legume. So there's about, uh, about an 8% reduction in risk of premature death for every one ounce increase in daily intake. Sadly, a 96% of Americans don't even reach the recommended minimum um, intake. And uh, so I agree with the American Institute for Cancer Research suggesting three servings a day, beans with every meal, ideally. You know, the federal government's MyPlay campaign, which was kind of developed to prompt Americans to build, you know, healthy meals. Most of your plate should be covered with vegetables 
and whole grains. The rest of the plants split between fruit and a protein group. The legumes were given special treatments, straddling both the protein and the vegetable groups. So they're you know loaded with protein, iron, zinc, as one might expect from other protein sources like meat. But legumes also contain nutrients that are concentrated in the vegetable kingdom, right? Like fiber and folate, potassium. So you get the best of both worlds with beans, all the while enjoying foods that are naturally low in saturated fat and sodium and free of cholesterol. Yeah, and I think a lot of times athletes are worried about iron deficiency, so that's great about eating more beans. But what are some other foods athletes, endurance athletes should add into their diet? Well, so certainly some nitrate-containing vegetables. In terms of uh, uh, maximizing athletic performance, that's one of the most extraordinary advances we've made in exercise physiology is the fact that uh, vegetable nitrates, so we're talking about, you know, beets and, uh, you know, arugula, dark green leafy vegetables in general, spinach, that the nitrates can actually increase the efficiency by which our cells use oxygen. So you can actually get, so, you know, you can do these time trials, whether cycling or 5Ks or marathons, and you can get significant improvements in athletic performance with less you know, kind of energy expended. So every breath, um, you can get more, extract more energy out of that oxygen. If we kind of preloaded with a big salad a few hours before the race. But I mean, in terms of, I mean, so yeah, that's great. You can shave off uh, a few minutes here and there. But uh, what I'm most interested in um, obviously, is the uh, arterial function benefits. So there's about 20% drop in heart attacks and stroke risk associated with every daily serving of dark green leafy vegetables. And so, I mean, that's that's the most important thing. But yes, it does also improve athletic performance and breath holding and all sorts of, it's now been tried in uh, a variety of uh, different uh, sports situations. Cool. And I'll put a couple of links in the show notes to some of your videos that I've watched. And I've actually tried eating arugula three hours before a race just to see if I, like, I didn't know if there was a difference because I'd never ridden that course before, but why wouldn't you put yourself uh, in the best situation possible? <laughs> sounds good to me. Yeah, so uh, last question for you. What do you say to those people who say that they feel good eating a paleo diet or eating for their blood type? Like, a lot of times they'll change their diet and say, I feel great, but what would you say to those people? Oh, I would say the same thing to people who feel great smoking cigarettes. I mean, why do people smoke cigarettes? <laughs> Nicotine makes you feel good. It literally makes you feel good, right? Why do people do drugs? You think people inject heroin because they love getting poked with needles? No, it feels really good, right? So, you know, why do people eat donuts? Because it tastes good. Right? I mean, it's like, yeah, so basically the food industry has hijacked our natural impulses, right? We have these taste receptors that taste sweet stuff because we evolved for millions of years where the sweet meant a blueberry bush, not a Twinkie. But now the industry's like, oh, you like sweet? You're biologically driven to eat sweet? Ah, well, we will hijack that natural biological urges to sell our crap to you. And so we often can't just allow our intuitions to guide us. Well, my body is craving candy bars. Okay, but that doesn't mean that, <laughs> that candy bars are any good for you. We actually have something called science. The whole point is we actually put things to the test and differentiate between fact and fiction. And so then it's like, yeah, so whether or not something makes you feel good 
is that actually going to maximize your longevity and health over the long run, right? It's like, you know, there's all sorts of really crazy dicing to help you lose weight, but the point is not to fit into a skinnier casket. The point is what can we eat for maximum health and longevity? And the science is in, the science is clear, remarkable consistency over the last few decades that we should be eating a diet rich in whole plant foods. That's fruits, uh, you know, vegetables, legumes, whole grains, uh, mushrooms, herbs and spices, uh, you know, nuts and seeds, basically real food that grows out of the ground. These are our healthiest choices while minimizing our intake of meat, eggs, dairy, and processed junk. Yeah, and a quick little fact from you that I don't remember the exact number, but smoking was something that doctors did, even though there's a lot of evidence saying that it was bad for you. And how many studies did it take before the Surgeon General said, no more smoking, this is bad for you? Yeah, so 7,000 studies. So it took more than 25 years and 7,000 studies before the first Surgeon General's report came out against smoking in the 60s. But, uh, you know, uh, a decade before that, in the 50s, the average per capita cigarette consumption, 4,000 cigarettes a day, meaning the average person walking around smoked half pack a day. On average, most doctors smoked, right? In fact, the American Medical Association came out reassuring everyone smoking in moderation was just fine. In fact, it was beneficial, not just neutral, but actually beneficial for people, right? So there was this disconnect between science and public policy. And the same thing exists today, where we have this mountain of evidence very clearly showing what's the best for us. But then we have these vested interests trying to confuse us. So until the system changes, we have to take personal responsibility for our own health, for our family's health. We can't wait until society catches up to the science again, because it's a matter of life and death. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Greger. It was great to chat with you, and hopefully we can meet in person someday. Looking very much forward to it. Good luck with the race. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. That was so awesome to get to speak with Dr. Gregor one-on-one. Wow. I actually recorded this episode while I was in Columbia before my race, so it was pretty funny to be calling in and chatting with Dr. Gregor while I was in Columbia. I was so impressed with his knowledge, and the guy is just like a walking encyclopedia. I wanted to spend the entire day with him, and maybe one day I'll get the option. I gotta get that guy on a mountain bike. I hope you guys found this information really useful. The podcasts where I've spoken with plant-based experts have actually been the most popular episodes on this show, so thank you for listening, and I'm excited that people are interested in how to be healthier. It's something that I personally really care about, and I think that making sure that people can have access to information and make decisions for themselves doing their own research is one of the most empowering and important things. Thank you to Roma, my audio producer for this show. He does such an amazing job and I wouldn't be able to do this without the support of a bunch of you guys on Patreon. You can donate directly to the show through Patreon for any amount from $100 a month to as little as $1 per episode, which is only four bucks a month and actually makes a big difference. But maybe you've never heard of Patreon. Patreon is a website where you can use crowdfunding to support a project, much like we did with the effing magical unicorn socks. A lot of podcasts sell advertisements to cover the production costs of the show, which can actually be quite high. But I'm not a fan of ads when I listen to other podcasts and I find them annoying. So my goal is to make this podcast an ad-free zone, but I can only do that with your support. 
The current production of this free show is primarily supported out of my own pocket and a small portion is covered through the donations on Patreon. So thank you so much for listening, guys. Thanks for your support. I really appreciate it. And I'm pretty excited about next week's guest, but you're just gonna have to stay tuned to find out who it is. Wishing you all the best success in your training and adventures, and we'll see you back here next week. 